Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, welcome to everybody today who's joining us in our podcast, Stand Strong, 21st Century Discipleship. Welcome into the studio, Noah. Glad you're here. Good to be here. Last week, uh, we are dealing with some challenging questions. What we said about the subject last week on dancing, uh, that's a big question. Can a Christian dance? Is it wrong to dance? I mean, there's really better questions probably to ask, (laughs) and we have limited time, so Today's question, today's topic is very similar in the fact that the Bible doesn't specifically address it. We mm-hmm. may think that it does, but it it doesn't. That's the subject of gambling. And again, just like dancing, I, I'm not surprised the case will be the same with gambling, that there are going to be people that are listening to this and, and you'll hear some things you're like, oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. And then I'll turn around around or no, or turn around around and say something you're like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> so, but all we're asking, I mean, we, we, we say that and there's humor in that. I hope you all know that. But all we're trying to do, first of all, is do the best we can do with principles found in the Word of God. We're trying to, as ourselves, we're trying to honor God. We're trying to help others honor God. We're not going to all reach the same place. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we should close the Bible, stop studying, you know, close down dialogue, don't have the discussions. We need to have the discussions. There's clearly some things about gambling and there's clearly some things that a Christian cannot have any part of. Right. So we thought, let's address that. So, no, I'll just toss it back to you. Big old subject. Uh, let's talk about gambling. Yeah, that is, that is a big subject. And I think anyone that's even culturally uh, watched over like the past 15 or 20 years has seen how it's become more and more of a popular thing in our culture and it's become more accessible to us um, in a lot of different forms and a lot of different ways. You know, it's not a it's not just going to the casino anymore. You right. know, there's there's a lot of different ways to gamble with our possessions and gamble with our money. And so that makes it all the more uh, important for us to to grapple with this and, and try to to reason from Scripture what what role, if any, should this play in a Christian's life. And of course, one of the places that we're going to gravitate towards in Scripture when we're when we're talking about this is First Timothy six mentions that the love of money mm-hmm. is the root of all kinds of evil. Right, and generally when we talk about our attitude about money and our attitude about gambling, we're going to end up talking about, do we have this love, this desire for money, this covetousness, this love for money? And so I think that's a natural place to start in this discussion is when we're looking at gambling, we have to ask ourselves the hard questions like, is this encouraging a love of money and a covetousness in my heart? Because we we can't say, if we can't point to a scripture and say, gambling is is wrong because of this scripture. But we can say love of money and covetousness and desire to be rich, those are all condemned in the in scripture. So that might be a good place to start. Have a little heart check with ourselves. If we're going to engage in something like this, what are we encouraging in our hearts? What are we encouraging in our characters? 
when we do this. Yeah, very, very true. You know, years ago, I was sitting in a room. There, there were multiple preachers of all ages in the room. There were elders from various congregations in the room. And a general discussion of gambling came up. And as you can imagine, again, preachers, elders, all kinds of ages, levels of understanding of Scripture, dealing with principles. We sat in the room and discussed gambling, and we didn't all agree. Yeah. Now, we agreed on principles and approach, but it was. let me just give you some of the tests. So things like, all right, start out, you know, blackjack at a Louisiana casino. You know, can a Christian go play blackjack at Louisiana? We were all pretty much thumbs down on the blackjack at the Louisiana <laughs> casinos. Uh, buying lottery tickets at your local convenience store. Then we moved into the buddies on the golf course, and, and we're all in agreement. This foursome is all in agreement. A dollar, a hole, winner take all, or the loser buys lunch, and everybody's agreement. So now we've, you know, buddies on the golf course. Then we moved into raffle tickets at your kid's school carnival on Halloween. Right. Uh, and then it really, somebody really went to investment in Apple stock. So you can, what you can clearly see, you got the blackjack table at a casino all the way down to the little, you know, $1 raffle ticket of the buddies on the golf course to investing investments. Right. So big, big, you know, gamut, the whole different discussion and things. We didn't all agree. Right. But what we all agreed on was we're trying to live life the best day that we can, the best way we can to honor God, honor others, and be the best steward that we can be with our money. Yeah. If you start there, I can't think of a better place to start. Right. Right. But still there'll be disagreement. Yes. So we need to open up the scriptures. We need to ask some of the hard questions. And the hard thing for me about addressing hard questions like you started with, it gets to motive. It gets to the heart of the problem. Covetousness is not an easy thing, which it's called idolatry for a reason. Covetousness. Yeah. Right. That's not an easy thing to see in self. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a further complication is it, it can even be further removed from motive. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Sometimes we can engage in something because it's enjoyable and that's why we engage in it. But when we engage in it, we are cultivating and encouraging something in ourselves that will bring us that we're going to reap what we sow later on down the road. And, and so to, to clear the fog away from what I'm just, I was just saying, I think that there are probably people that began gambling just simply for the enjoyment, for the pleasure of it. And, and that's aside from any discussion about stewardship and, and whether or not that's the wise thing to do, but their motive was not love of money or a desire to be rich. It was th the pleasure of it. And yet, through that process, cultivated in themselves a love for money, a desire to be rich, the, the high, the dopamine hit of the excitement, the rush of the, the risk and the reward. And suddenly, we can start to see, well, the motivation at the beginning might have been innocent. And yet... What are we, again, I keep using this, this word cultivate. What are we growing in ourselves here? That can be dangerous and it can, and it can, um, it can be controversial because people would say, but my motives, my motives were fine. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you going there this early. 
I think personally, and and for those who are listening, I promise y'all, I did not set Noah up. He had <laughs> no idea where my passion was in this discussion. I appreciate, Noah, you going in this direction. I just want people, if you didn't hear me, just pause, rewind a little bit, go back, re-listen to that segment that was a minute or so of what Noah said. I want, I want to camp on that for a little bit. I want to piggyback on that. Because you started with the purity of motives. That is, look, I'm clearly supposed to love my neighbor as myself. I can't violate. I don't want to violate that in any way. So back to the example, like I said, you know, with my buddies on the golf course, we're all in agreement. I'm not doing this to try to steal money, fleece somebody. There's agreement. I love all the people I'm playing with. I, you know, it's not that I desire to get rich. I'm not going to get rich off of right. this deal. I enjoy it. It's it's entertaining. All those things you talked about. But I need to be careful. Now, I'm talking about me. And I, I, I don't think I'm the only one that has to pay attention to a spirit that can be developed in me and then fueled in me that comes from a competitiveness and a, and a desire. It didn't start this way, mm-hmm. but it can turn in this way. So I'm just saying this. The guy that says, look, it just started out on this level. Those sometimes are the very guys that now have apps on their phones and they started out with this amount of money and they're now in bondage to or addicted to sports gambling mm-hmm. or other things. Now, clearly, I'm not saying that everybody becomes that. Right. But why would we play with fire? I mean, you know, there I know of cases that there are Guys that that I saw as good guys, they'd do anything for you. And within five to 10 years, they had lost their job. They had lost their marriage. And the relationship with the kids was not the same. Yeah. Because they got addicted, fueling that spirit, and they got addicted to gambling. Yeah, yeah. I think something that connects very heavily to this is... The, the a spirit of self-control, a spirit of discipline, and a spirit of contentment. Now, again, like we've just acknowledged, not everyone that participates in, in gambling and, and those those types of things does so out of a desire to be rich. But what I think I can say with a fair amount of confidence is, and this goes back to your your comment on having a spirit that becomes competitive and 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 invested in this kind of a thing. Those types of activities will test our self-control. Yes. They will test our self-control. And it again, we don't have to look very far in Scripture to see the value that Scripture puts on self-control. I mean, so if we were to go back to that 1 Timothy 6 context where I started at the beginning about we always quote the, the love of money is uh, a root of all kinds of evil. But if we back up a couple of verses into verse 6, Paul writes, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. There's that idea of contentment. Or if we look at what Paul writes in Titus chapter one, he's talking about elders, overseers. And he says that they should not be, uh, among other things, you know, arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent, or he says greedy for gain. But the very next verse in contrast, he says that they are to be a lover of good and self-controlled. So we have this idea of self-control and contentment. And these types of activities, even in 
what I might refer to as innocent stages, they will test our self-control and they will test our commitment or rather contentment, excuse me, slip of the tongue. They will test those things. And we have to recognize that if we're going to engage in them on any level. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I want to offer, you know, I jotted some things down. And again, this is my list, but it's a list of principles. It's clearly not me going to a text and trying to make the text say what it was never intended by God to say. But these are clear texts in Scripture where God is communicating something to us. Yeah. And he, he, he invites us into a relationship with Him through the spirit of truth that's revealing nuggets of truth that are for our good. And we need, I need to take it in and think about it and pray about it. Uh, I, I should never steal from others. Yeah. I should never be guilty of covetousness. Anything close to that, get away from that, run from it. Uh, clearly, those are things the text, uh, you know, covetousness in Colossians 3, the stealing in Ephesians 4. I think everybody's on the same page with that. Yeah. The golden rule. That is a principle. We call it a principle. You know, the, the treating others the way you yourself would want to be treated. That's a big, big deal and a big, big principle. I'm not saying that it clears everything up for us, but I'm saying we know what that means. Yeah. We clearly know what it means. Uh, don't try and circumvent working for a living. And that's a bigger issue. Why is someone after the get rich quick? Why is someone trying to, to circumvent the honest work with your hands that you might have? All right. But here's, here's the one that, no, I want to take us to before this time gets away from us, because I know you and I have talked about this, and it fits with a lot of other subjects beyond gambling. But where I started was this, I just want to honor God, and I want to honor others. Well, what honoring others looks like for me in part is my wife, my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm a steward in that role. So this idea of gambling is not simply reduced to if you take a risk, then it's wrong. And we take risks all the time that are not wrong and that are not gambling. Right. But if I violate principles of being a good, honest steward, I need to check my motives and check my decision-making because if I don't, I'm going to end up in a place that I probably never wanted to end up in. Yeah. So the good stewardship is, am I being a good steward? Yeah. And you could probably even boil that idea of stewardship down. I, I think that helps put a point on it to remind ourselves that that is what we are. No matter how well off or, or impoverished we are, what we have has been given to us by God, and we are but stewards. And just like Adam and Eve in the garden, who were given the garden to steward, but, and they were supposed to enjoy the benefits of the garden. So I'm not trying to deny that we're supposed to enjoy the benefits of what God has given us. That's not the point. I think referring to it as stewardship helps put a point on it. But we can also take a step back and look at what holds that up. And it's just the concept of being wise. You know, what is wise in regards to the blessings that God has given us? And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, say, and there's an obvious line where wisdom starts and anyone who does X, Y, or Z is, is just being foolish. What I'm asking is a heart question. <laughs> Look at your heart and ask, are you trying to be wise in what you're doing? Is this, is this a choice that's being made out of a desire to reflect God's wisdom? Or is it 
being done out of a desire to just do what you want. And those are two very different paths. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the meat of the issue on some of these difficult where the Bible doesn't specifically address the issue. We can have, like I said, biases. We can have blind spots. Let me give you a real scenario. So we're talking about stewardships and some of the things you just said. Here's a real scenario. So I was having a conversation, and I had a good relationship with this person years years ago. And we, we differed on the, the subject of gambling. Our judgment was clearly in different directions. Yeah, He knew I took a golf trip. So he clearly knew that as a steward and in budgeting, I had budgeted, Amy and I, we had budgeted and set aside. So this money that I had set aside throughout the year was set aside for me to take this three-day trip to golf. He argued he sets aside money and he goes to the casino so the money I set aside for my vacation as a good steward, I go and play golf. When the money's gone, I come home. I don't go beyond my budget. I'm being a good steward. He says, I don't go beyond my budget. I set aside my amount that I go, and I go to the casino, and I gamble till it's gone. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I lose. When it's gone, it's gone, and I come home. What I offered to him was, okay, I don't see that as the same thing. So we differ in judgment. I'm concerned about what happens when you get to a point? Can you get to a point? Is it possible that you could get to a point where a spirit is filled in you of competitiveness and this, I got to one up, I'm tired of the whoever's at the casino that's taking my, I've got to go back. And so next year it becomes more or you don't leave because at some point that that happens, what's the safe course? And here we were having discussion about wisdom. Mm-hmm. We were differing in judgment. The reason I'm bringing this up because you you made the point Sometimes, and so I can only talk about me, sometimes if it's clearly something I've already decided I want to do, then I'm going to do it. I'm right. Doesn't matter what passage you show me. I want to do this. I'm not doing anything wrong, and I'm not going to be the guy that'll take it too far or going to end up losing his job or his family. Study the Proverbs might be a good place. Yeah. There, and connected to what that, that story that you're sharing is the idea of what again, what we are encouraging in our own character and what are we encouraging in our own desires. There is, there is a difference that needs to be noted when, and, and we can do it in other areas of our life where we encourage that spirit of competitiveness or that spirit that makes us out to get more than the person next to us to outpace the Joneses and all of that kind of thing. That can happen in multiple areas of life. And we just have to recognize that danger in this Um, We are called to be stewards. We are called to be masters of what God has given us, not to be mastered by it. And in any area of our life, if the blessings God has given us become our master, that's a problem. That's Matthew 6. You know, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. The fact is you can't serve both God and blank. You fill fill in the blank. When something God has blessed us with becomes our master, that is an idol, and we have to push it out. Yeah. Amen, amen. I want to offer this verse, Noah. And then when I do, I think it would be a good point for us to, to pray pray about this. And you'll see after I offer this verse why I think it's a good point for us to pray in this podcast about this subject. It's clearly a prayer of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1. But listen to the language. In Philippians 1, beginning in verse 9, Paul says, This is my prayer. Okay. Paul says, as an apostle, I'm praying this for you Christians throughout Philippi. I'm praying this for Christians 
He says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. And you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ so that you're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's not always an issue of right or wrong. It's an issue of best over better. Mm-hmm. It's an ability to discern, okay, I'm not trying to dishonor God or others, and I want to be a good steward, and I'm not trying to become guilty of covetousness or greed, or I'm not trying to lose my family and my job and my influence. I just, And ultimately, I just want to live to the praise and glory of God. And Paul says, well, I want to pray this prayer for you. Mm-hmm. Good people asking the right questions with the right motives and then asking God in prayer, God, this is who I just want to be. Open my eyes. If I got a blind spot, help me to see. If I'm getting too close to something, God, I want to run in the other direction. I just want to run towards you and want to run away from anything that would keep me from you. Mm-hmm. That's Philippians 1. Yeah. So Noah, would you pray about that for us? Absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we're especially conscious of our hearts. We're especially conscious of what we prioritize, what we value, and what we desire. And we pray that you work on our hearts and and through your word and through your spirit, cleanse and purify our hearts to desire better things, to desire your ways, and to desire to live our lives for your glory alone. We thank you for the many blessings you've given us. We pray that we recognize that these are these are evidence of your goodness and not to be taken taken lightly or taken for granted, but to be received with gratitude and with a humble heart that seeks to do your will with everything you've given us. We're thankful for your word and the guidance that it provides for the principles that you have laid down, and we pray that we can live our lives in a way that glorifies you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, that's been a a good discussion. As with everything this whole season, as we've been talking about 21st century discipleship, there's always more that could be said. But I hope that this morning has been uh, a good maybe scratching of the surface of this discussion and and, uh, has helped people we may not have answered the questions that people have, but hopefully we have gotten people to ask the right questions and to, and to look in the right place for the answers. So that being said, looking forward to next week, uh, we're going to be considering continuing season four, uh, this 21st century discipleship, and we're going to be talking about disciples and modesty. Uh, we're really not backing down from these more hot button issues and Um, Our hope is that in doing this, we can help people go to Scripture and, and stand strong on the words of God in their lives. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong.